Praise the Lord, church. I started a tradition here many, many, many years ago, and that's to tell a joke or two before I get up to preach why, why we do the transition. And uh, Aaron, Pastor Aaron, always tries to up me. But so th today I'm going to up him. And a little girl finally got to attend a wedding for the very first time. And uh, while she was in the church, the girl turned to her mother and she said, Why is the bride dressed in white? And the mother replied to the girl, Because white is the color of happiness, and this is the happiest day of her life. After a little bit, the little girl looked up her mother again and said, Why is the groom wearing black? I'm going to pick on the women just a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, Adam and Eve, after having children, Adam and Eve started getting a lot of questions from their kids about why they no longer lived in the Garden of Eden. Adam had a simple answer. He said, your mother ate us out of house and home. During a Sunday school lesson, a child learned about how God created human beings. The child becoming spatially focused when the teacher explained how Eve was created from Adam's ribs. Later in the week, the boy's mother saw him lying down on the floor, and she asked him, what's wrong with you? And his reply was priceless. Mom, I have a pain in my side. I think I'm getting a wife. Amen. Am I picking on the women? I don't, I don't mean to. A fourth grader celebrated his birthday on crutches so he couldn't carry the cupcakes into school without help. Uh, <clears throat> and so the mom asked the sixth grader, Noah, to help his brother carry them in. I could, he said, but I'd prefer not to. Spotting a teaching moment, my husband asked Noah, what would Jesus do? Noah answered, Jesus would heal him so he could carry his own cupcakes. Okay, I only got a, I only got a couple more here. I, I, got a, I got a really top Aaron. He's, he's, I don't think he's beat me yet, so I could stop right now and win, but I'm, I'm going to go on. A woman had just returned to her home from an evening of church service when she was startled by an intruder. She caught the man in the act of robbing her home and valuables, and she yelled, Acts 2.38. And, uh, and Acts 2.38, according to my Bible, says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And, and the intruder stopped in his tracks. The woman calmly called the police and explained what she had done. As the officer cuffed the man to take him in, he asked the intruder, Why did you just stand there? All the old lady did was yell a scripture to you. A scripture replied to the intruder. She said she had an axe and two thirty-eights. That's, that's all that I have. I did want to thank the praise team. Let's give them a hand. Amen. And I also wanted to, I want you to take a look at the picture over there. Lisa Queen, stand up. Just, no, go ahead, stand up. 
I, I want you to know that she started that picture at the beginning of praise and worship. And she was done before praise and worship was done. Isn't that beautiful? And we want to thank her. And a lot of times uh, we have different artists over there painting, and uh, uh, they really don't get the recognition. Uh, that's a God thing. That's a God thing because they're inspired. They're inspired by worship. They're inspired by God. And I think that's so very, very, very important. And uh, I'm just pleased to be here today. I just want to tell you that right now. God's been good to me. And uh, I can't even begin to tell you what he's done in my life. And uh, I started preaching. I was trying to think about it uh, today. Uh, 52 years ago, I preached my first message. And uh, I just thank God that uh, even though I don't preach very much anymore, God's used me in some different arenas and different ways. And I'm very thankful for that. Uh, I want to uh, have my sister stand, Rita stand up. She doesn't get here very often. She goes with her daughter to another church. But we was raised in church from the time that I can ever remember. Uh, fact is, uh, my we had an old stand-up piano in the house, and my dad would plunk around on it. My mom was a great singer, and... Uh, the people next door, their name was Horschild, I believe, and uh, they'd call the police on us, and the police would come and tell us to be quiet. Uh, and my dad say, I'll try to calm it down a little bit, but they never really did. And uh, But uh, God's been good. Before I get started today, uh, I would like to ask my wife to come and ask prayer over this message, over me. Uh, I realize that I can't do anything without God, and uh, I really appreciate her. And uh, about a year ago, in fact, this has not even been a year ago, uh, she wrote me a letter. In fact, is it was on the back of a Yahtzee. We play Yahtzee. It was on the back of a Yahtzee paper, and uh, some uh, it, it was a whole page. And I, I really, really, really appreciate her. I really do. Uh, We've been married almost 11 years, and uh, I lost my wife to cancer. Uh, we was married for 41 years, so that means I've been married for 52 years. And uh, that's a long time. But uh, she lost her husband to cancer as well, and we met, and uh, God's blessed our lives. He really has. And it's a blessing to find someone. Uh, I was very much in love with my wife. I really, really was sorrowful to see her go, and I thought, that's it. You know, there'll be no one else in my life, but God bless me, and I, I thank God for that. And she wrote me this letter on the back of a Yahtzee. We was playing Yahtzee, and she turned it over, and she began to write, and uh, she's a writer. And uh, she said, uh, and I just wrote a little, took a little portion of it out here. She says, you're going to walk a path that you almost forgot about. And God's going to renew, God's going to restore, and God's going to reestablish. And uh, I thank God for that because that's what I feel today. That's what I felt this weekend. I felt a refreshing. That wasn't for me. That was me practicing the prophetic on my husband. 
um, I, let's go to prayer. Um, during worship, I often uh, hear a word from the Lord, just one word, and then I ask him to explain it. Today, I heard the word open, um, and then I saw, you know, I saw this, you know, bright skies and stuff in the background, but there was like this netting, like blocking, like it would be across that. There was a, a camouflage netting. And um, I heard the Lord say, you know, um, open your ears to hear, your eyes to see, your heart to receive him, you know, when they were inviting you. And um, oftentimes, you know, we come in here and we're hurting, and we don't know unless the immediate people are around us. But, but he's, if you just drop the net and let him in and ask him to come in today, um, he, he's there for you. And it's like the scripture where he's at the door knocking, you have to open it. He's not going to force his way through. So um, let's bow our hearts and our heads in prayer. Father, we come to you today with humble hearts. We love you so much, and we aren't anything without you, Lord. We recognize that, the air that we breathe, everything, Lord. We are so thankful that you give us that. Lord God, we give us our, ourselves to you, and we open our hearts. We open our ears and our eyes to see and to hear what you have for us today. Guide my husband's words today, Lord. Guide his heart. May it be your word to the people, not his, but yours. And may he be a vessel anointed, Lord. We ask for that anointing. We ask for that refreshing. We ask for clarity of mind, heart, and Lord speech. And um, we thank you for him. We ask that you bless him. And Lord, that his days aren't over, that he has many, many more to give Lord, and to honor you in everything that he does. In Jesus' name, amen. What is next Sunday? Anybody know? Father's Day. I wanted to remind you about Father's Day. Uh, father is very, very important. I know my sister and I had one of the best fathers uh, that you could even think of, and I always feel bad, I really do, uh, when people tell me how bad their father was or because I f feel almost guilty because I had such a good one. And uh, he, was, he was good to all of us. He had a sense of humor that a lot of people didn't see, but uh, we seen it at home all the time. And uh, he would uh, do a lot of different things with me. He would, I remember one time I was probably fourth or fifth grade and, and he would take me fishing twice a year in a pup tent down by the river and uh, we'd have a little fire going and my dad would uh, say well it's time to go to bed we'd go to bed and uh, that pup tent that we had it wasn't one of them that was all sealed off uh, this is back in the old days and he'd have a little rock next thing I know he'd throw this rock up in the air he'd have his hand outside the tent I didn't know it and rock would hit the tent. He said, oh, what was that? And I said, I, I don't know. W what do you think, Dad? And he said, well, I hope it wasn't that lion that escaped from the zoo down in Cincinnati. <laughs> and I didn't sleep all night long. And he thought that was funny. But uh, anyway, but uh, let's remember our fathers. I I'm very, very, very fortunate uh, to have four wonderful kids uh, and uh, two stepsons that uh, fact is uh, the one stepson uh, I helped raise him 
and I don't even call him a stepson I call him my son and uh, I just thank God for for them and uh, sorry that they're not here three of them aren't here today four of them aren't here today and uh, but uh, my one daughter whom I love she's here <laughs> raise your hand again and and to think that I I left her one time we're going on vacation I want you to understand my family I have four children we're packed up in our Ford station wagon we got the seat down in the back all of them's in the back there I'm counting but uh, we also had a fifth one and uh, that was a boy that lived down the street from us whose dad died in a car wreck and his mom had five children and uh, he was getting in trouble all the time his name was Jeff Moses and uh, he came to live with me in the summer and he ended up staying for almost four years and so uh, we had him and so he was in charge of the back because he was 10 years older than the oldest child that I had and so we're, we head down the road from Piqua we make it to 70 we're going west on 70 and the very first rest stop I've got two kids saying I gotta go to the bathroom and I'm thinking I've only made you know 10 12 miles down the road so but I pull in like a good dad I pull in and uh, they go everybody runs out everybody runs back in and I get in and I'm sitting in the front seat of the car with my wife and I, I turn around to Jeff his name was Jeff Moses and I turned to Jeff I said everybody in the, in the car yep we're all here all counted for so I head back down 70 West uh, heading towards Indiana and Cheryl speaks up and says Leah's not here and so here I am I'm 10 12 miles down the road and Leah was left at the at the roadside rest how old was you about five but we was very fortunate there was a truck driver there don't you love truck drivers and uh, there was a truck driver there that uh, took her in and sat on a table with her. I think he'd give her a little snack. And he sa and she was crying. He says, don't worry, your mom and dad will be back. And as soon as I found, I mean, I just went across the medium, turned around, went back across the medium to get to the uh, roadside rest. And uh, he brought her over to the car. And I, I thank God because a lot of things could have happened. But God had his hand on her. And she still loves me. <laughs> Amen. We're going to go ahead and get started here. I'm not a long-winded preacher, so you don't have to worry about that too much. Uh, we're going to go to 1 Kings, the 19th chapter. Uh, actually, uh, I would like to start with the 7th verse. The 7th verse. We're going to read some scriptures here. 1 Kings 19, in the 7th verse. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and he ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have a 
a, a zeal, zealosity to serve the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper, or a still small voice. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him, Go back the same way you came, and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazael to be king of Aram, then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel, and anoint Elijah, the son of Shaphat, uh, from the town of Ablamola, to replace you as my prophet. I just want to say that I hope that today you'll listen to what the Lord has to say to you. I want, I want God to anoint all of our ears in here today. We need God to come upon the scene. We need God to anoint my lips. We need God to say something. And uh, I, I need some help preaching. I'm one of them old-time preachers that it's okay if you say amen. You know what? I, it's kind of like, a, a, it's kinda like an old coon dog. You know, you say, get him. You say, go get him. And you encourage them a little bit. What do they do? They go crazy. And they're, they're out there sniffing, barking, going up a tree. And uh, some of them can almost climb a tree. And uh, so that's what I need today. I need some help. And if you can't say amen, uh, maybe you can say ouch. That, that, that'll encourage me as well. I might be doing something right. You know what? Even great men, great men of God... Uh, uh, have faith in the moments of doubt and fear. And uh, I don't know about you, but I've been in that place where I've doubted God. I've been in that place where I've had fear upon my life. Elijah had seen God do great things. I mean great things. Uh, he stood before Ahab uh, and uh, looked at Ahab, and Ahab's giving him a hard time. And he said, Ahab, uh, it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. And for three years, come on, listen to me, three years they had a drought. And uh, so he's seen God do great things. And then uh, he left there because they wanted to kill him. And so he runs away, and he goes by a stream. And ravens come and feed him meat, and he's able to drink from that stream. And uh, that's so very important. And then he went from there. God quit bringing the ravens. He said, it's time to move on, Elijah. And Elijah goes to Zarephath. And there's a widow in Zarephath. And uh, God said, she's going to feed you. She's going to take care of you. You go see her. And so he goes to Zarephath, and he looks, and there's this old woman 
and she wasn't really that old. She had a child. And uh, he looked at her and he says, would you fetch me some water? And she recognized him as a prophet of God. And she said, I would be pleased to, to get you some water. And uh, he looked and he says, could you make, make me some bread? And she said, sir, I was making bread for me and my son. It's all we have left. And we was going to eat it and die. He said, well, feed me first. Can you imagine? He did. She said, I just got enough for me and my son, and then we're going to die. And he said, okay, uh, feed me first. And uh, you know what? There was something about the man of God. There's something about the man of God. There's something about the power of God. There's something about the presence of God. When it begins to move upon you, you know what you need to do. Somebody say amen. Because I know that's the way I am. Uh, if God begins to move upon me, I'll say, God, I don't have any money. This is all I got. It's $2. Put it in there. God will take care of you. He will. God will take care of you. So she made some bread. And she gave half to him and half to her and her son. And she said, that's all there is. And he said, God told me to tell you to go take another look at your flour, at your grain, at your oil. It's not going to run out until this begins to come back, till the wheat becomes back. Before we, When you begin to harvest, then it'll end, and you'll be able to have more. But until then, you're always going to have enough. Everybody say enough. You know what? I don't know about you, but I just want to have enough. Uh, enough of God to make it in. Uh, I don't know what tomorrow holds. Uh, uh, just last week, I did two funerals, and uh, uh, I, I, both of them younger than me. And I'm wondering, I'm really wondering how much more time I've got. But you know what? It doesn't bother me. Kirk come over, and he said, did you mow? I said, yeah, I push mowed the grass. It's okay. As uh, long as I can walk, as long as I can live, as long as I can lift, God's going to take care of me. Amen. He will. And so the miracle happened, and so he left for just a short while, and she had enough. Then he came back, and she said, my son is sick. He goes, oh, okay. And then she said, my son is dead. He died. Why? Why is God letting this happen? Why did you let this happen? I don't know about you, but he didn't get excited. He knew what God could do. Amen? And so he said, give me your son. And he picked him up, he carried him to the bed, laid him down, and he laid on him, laid right over top of him, once. Got up, nothing. Twice, got up, nothing. And the third time, the boy began to cough, began to talk, began to set up. He took him by the hand, took him back down to mom, and said, here's your son. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. It gets me excited to know what God can do. Uh, 
God is a healer. Uh, he's a deliverer. Uh, he's a prayer answering God. Uh, whatever we ask of him, uh, he'll take care of it. I've seen it so many times, so many times. And so he raised this woman's son back to life, and then he goes to face the prophets of Baal. Amen. 400 false prophets. And he said, you know what? I'm sick and tired of you guys worshiping the wrong God. And so they were worshiping Baal. And he said, how many of you are there? Well, there was 400 prophets of Baal. He said, line them up. Bring them over. He said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to get a couple bullocks. I will sacrifice one. You sacrifice one. You build an altar. I'll build an altar. And uh, he said, I'm going to let you guys go first. You got so many. And uh, you guys go ahead and we'll see what your God can do. So it happened in the morning. They built an altar. They killed the bullock. They laid it on there. They danced around a little bit, called upon their God of Baal to come down and show fire upon their altar. Nothing happened. Around noontime, they're still at it. Now they're beginning to cut themselves, beginning to bleed, thinking that that'll get, get their God's attention. Amen. And so after they've done that, uh, they begin to do more and uh, begin to dance around. And finally, Elijah had enough. He said, is your God taking a nap? He said, no, really, is your God taking a nap? Maybe if you talk a little louder, he'll hear you. And they begin to shout. They begin to do all kinds of things. But their God didn't answer. And then about evening, when it was evening time for their sacrifice, for God's sacrifice, he said, okay, stop. He said, go ahead. Let's build our altar. And he said, could you give me a couple buckets of water to throw on this sacrifice? And, and the people of Baal, they're thinking... He's going to try to have God answer by fire on a wet sacrifice. And he said, that isn't enough. And he said, fact is, let's build a trench around this place. And the Bible says that they put so much pots of water on there that it filled the trench up. Then he prayed. Whew, fire come down from heaven. It consumed every bit of that. It even consumed the rocks. I'm telling you what. When you begin to really believe in God, when you begin to pray and you put a little faith to it, God will answer. Amen. He knew that God was going to answer. There was never a doubt in his mind. You know what we need to do? We need to not have a doubt. Amen. I haven't even got to my message yet. I'm just kind of getting warmed up. And so he told the people that was there that was worshiping Baal, they said, we're not worshiping Baal anymore. Your God is our God. Really, he said, your God is our God. And so they said, okay. He said, take these 400 prophets and take them down there. And he killed every one of them. And so Ahab goes back to his wife Jezebel. And he said, uh, hey, there is a, there, there's, there's a problem. He killed 400 prophets of Baal. And she said, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. And uh, so uh, 
he had to go into hiding once again. But you know what? He goes in the 18th chapter, in the 41st verse, he says, uh, up on Mount Carmel this time, and he said, I think I'm going to call for rain now. It's been three years. And he prays for rain. And uh, he sends his servant out, and he said, go out there, what do you see? And the servant goes out, and he's looking up in the sky. I don't see anything. And he said, are you sure? He said, go out again. He goes out again, and, and by this time he's thinking that the prophet is a little crazy. He said he's, he don't know what he's looking for. And so he went out, after that first time, he went out five more times. Still nothing. And by this time, he's getting a little aggravated. And he's telling the prophet, there's nothing out there. You keep telling me to go out and look. There's nothing out there. He says, just go one more time. The seventh time he went out and he said, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand. One cloud. Well, I'm going to tell you what, later on this afternoon, you're going to see lots of clouds. You're going to see rain, and God's going to bless us. Amen. But so he's seen that cloud the size of a man's hand, and what did he do? He said, go tell Ahab he better get in his chariot and get back to his castle because uh, it's going to rain and if he gets stuck if he gets caught in the rain he's going to get stuck what kind of faith is that he sees one little cloud and now he's telling the man to go go tell him to get back or he's going to get stuck amen i don't know about you but sometimes it's the little things it's the little things in life that we begin to see and begin to know and, and begin to realize that God's got something for us. Amen. And so, anyway, Jezebel sends a word out. And how many times have you heard this? Well, the boss is out to get me. I was uh, at a luncheon not too long ago, and I said, how's your job going? Oh, boss don't like me. Boss is out to get me. Uh, I don't have no money. The creditors are here. Can't make my house payment. Can't make my utilities. I got problems. Everybody's closing in. Uh, I, I'm having marital difficulty. You know what? We all have problems. But you know what? You need to look up. There's a cloud the size of a man's hand. And you got to realize there's a rain coming. And it's a downpour. It's going to get muddy. It's going to be there. Amen. And so Elijah felt like that he was alone. And he says, I'm weary. I'm tired. Nobody really understands me. And uh, I, I just wish I had someone to talk to. And Elijah wanted to die. I don't think I can go on. The world would be better off without me. Woe is me. Amen. Elijah laid down and he slept and he says, I don't feel like getting up to face the day. You know what Psalms 34, 19 says? A righteous man may have many troubles. Everybody say many troubles. But the Lord delivers them from some. Oh, from all. I'm telling you what, you don't have to worry about everything because he's going to deliver it. Amen. 
you know what? We need to believe that. We need to believe that. And so Elijah falls down and goes to sleep, and there's an angel that reached down to get his attention. And that angel touched Elijah. You know what? Sometimes God will touch us to get our attention. And sometimes that touch isn't what we think it is or what we want it to be. Amen. But he'll get our attention. And then the, then the angel began to speak to Elijah. And God's voice directs our focus. Amen. God knew what Elijah needed. He really did. And God knows the journey that lies ahead. And uh, God knows that we need to recognize the angels that God send our way. You know what? Sometimes it's a family member. Amen. Angel works through them. Sometimes it's our pastor. The angel works through him. Sometimes it's a pastor's wife, uh, uh, Pastor Nicole. God works through her in a great and a mighty way. Amen. And sometimes it can be a natural, actual angel. Amen. I want you to know something. God has angels looking out over all of us. My mother and father was on their way to Sydney, Ohio on interstate. And they had they weren't at the entrance ramp, they were on the interstate in between Piqua and Sydney. And they seen a guy walking and when my dad was getting ready to go up he had his thumb out. My dad pulled over. My mom, her name was Mary Lou, and she said, what are you doing, Dorsey? He said, picking up this man. We don't know who he is. What if he kills us? I feel led of God to pick him up. So they picked him up. He gets in the back seat. Dad said, where are you going? He says, oh, up the road a little ways. And he says to my dad, my dad's name was Dorsey. And he said, Dorsey, how you doing? And my mom turns around and says, how did you know his name was Dorsey? And he just smiled. And it only took him two miles, not even to a, a, a ramp. And he says, can you pull over? My dad pulled over. He says, I'm getting out. Dad said, well, I can take you up to the entrance ramp. It's only a couple more miles. No, this is fine. He got out. Dad said that he looked at him. He's standing there by the side of the road. They start pulling away. They look back. He's gone. And my dad told my mom, he says, that was an angel. That was an angel. He said, I felt it, I knew it, and that's why I pulled over. The story doesn't end there. I want to tell I, I don't know why I'm getting off on this angel stuff, but this really happened. Two years later, my dad and mom are going to St. Mary's, Ohio, and my mom, if there was a Walmart someplace, she wanted to stop in there. My dad never liked to go inside a store, but they had a little seat out there. And so mom went in, and he sits at the seat, and he watches people. He just sits there thinking about God. That's what he did. And uh, all of a sudden, somebody sits down and says, Hey, Dorsey, how you been? It was the same guy he picked up. <laughs> and he began to tell him about his church and began to tell him different things. And... Uh, about that time, my mom come out and, my, and said Dorsey or something like that. He went like that. He looked, and this guy's gone. 
Mom said, did you meet anybody? Did you talk to anybody? He said, yeah, I talked to that angel we picked up a couple years ago. I'm telling you what, you don't know. Amen. I would tell you my angel story, but uh, it's not as... Huh? When my daughter Cheryl was being born, my wife was went into labor, and uh, we had a midwife. And I called the midwife. She was, just lived on the other side in Indiana. And uh, I was young and dumb. Well, I went to the library for a couple weekends and studied on how to deliver a baby, just in case, because I, I wanted to... I knew the midwife was going to do it, but you never know what could happen. And uh, so... We call the midwife. She's on her way. Her car breaks down. The baby's coming. I'm kneeling there at the bed where my wife was at, and I'm praying, oh, God, I need your help. I open my eyes, and there's, and you can, even the bed was indented, and there was a man sitting on the bed, and I knew it was an angel. And he looked at me, and he said, everything's going to be all right. It made me feel good. But then I also remembered that Jacob wrestled with an angel and he got extremely blessed. And I thought, you know what? I wrestled in high school. And right when I thought that thought, I wrestled in high school and I'm looking at this angel. I mean, I'm like from this close to him. And I'm thinking about jumping on him, but I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm just waiting. And... Uh, I, I thought, you know what? Jacob got blessed. And this angel looks at me and goes, <laughs> and I thought, if I grab him and don't let go, I'm going to get blessed. And so I made a lunge at this angel. My wife, my poor wife, she's, in, she's getting ready to deliver. And I'm thinking about wrestling an angel. And... Uh, when I lunged at this angel, it was gone. It never came back, never seen it again. Uh, it was a mistake that I made. I wish I never would have done it. And now my wife's saying, it's coming, it's coming. And then I had to go back to my two weekends at the library. And uh, my mom was there with me and uh, deliver the baby, cut the cord, do all that stuff. And uh, so Cheryl, if you ask her about her birth certificate, it says, delivered by Father. Amen. It happens. Anyway, that's my angel story. But the journey was long, and uh, uh, he told him to get up and go. And Elijah walked 40 days and 40 nights, and he went to Mount Sinai. You know what? God equips us for our journey. Sometimes we think, how can I do this? I don't know how, how I'm going to be able to do this. And God just does something great. I know my wife the other day when we was in here uh, and we was doing the prophetic, and uh, she felt like, oh, I failed. This, this happened, that happened. We get home and all kinds of miracle-type things happen. And uh, I realize, you know what? Sometimes it isn't what we think. Sometimes it isn't what we know. It's what God wants to do. God isn't, doesn't do things our way all the time. Amen. 
So anyway, he got equipped, and Elijah was stretched. God's presence was, uh, I'm trying to hurry up here. God's presence was the final destination in this journey, just like life. And Elijah got there after 40 days, and he spent the night in the cave. God knew Elijah's heart, but he made him speak anyway. God knows everything about us, but he wants to hear it out of our mouth. He knows what you feel. He knows what you need. God wants you to say it. Amen. And so God, uh, he said, Elijah told God what was bothering him. He said, I served you. Uh, the people of Israel tore down altars. They've killed your prophets. They want to kill me. Now I'm the only one left. Amen. You ever feel that way? Oh, it's just me, Lord, me and you. Amen. No one else. There's a whole bunch of people serving God, let me tell you. God reveals himself to Elijah, but God's not where Elijah thinks he will. The winds come. It shook the foundation. Rocks are breaking and falling. But God was not there. You know what? Sometimes we're waiting for that great big thing to happen. Amen. We're waiting for that angel to be sitting on that bed. Amen. That's what we're waiting. You know, I've been waiting ever since then. And that's been a long, long time ago. Uh, how old is Cheryl now? Yeah. <laughs> Amen. I wanted to say it, but I won't. Amen. And so the winds came, but God wasn't in the winds. The earthquake came, but God was not in the earthquake either. And uh, it began to shake in... Anybody here from California or been in California in an earthquake? Anybody? Yeah. It's kind of scary, isn't it? Uh, I was stationed out there, and we had a small earthquake, and uh, I couldn't imagine what a big one would, would do. But this earthquake really shook in Elijah, but God wasn't in the earthquake. A fire came, a fire came that was so, so big. But God was not in the fire. Amen. He says, hold on, Elijah. Hang on. Don't give up. Then came the quiet, gentle sound. God was near. What do you hear, Elijah? What do you hear? You know what? Sometimes that's what we need to do. We need to hear something from God. We need to hear and know what his... And, and God is a peace in the middle of a storm all of a sudden you just feel his presence and you know to make a long story short this weary worn frustrated battle fatigued prophet he's on top of the mountain he's right on top of that mountain and the tranquility that he had was in turmoil the peace is suffering the comfort uh, is in sickness and God questions Elijah again, and Elijah restates his case. God did not give an answer the first time. He just revealed himself. Elijah was now ready to hear God's voice. And God tells Elijah, there's 7,000 down there that have not bowed, have not bent their knee to another God. You know what? You're not the only one. You're not the only one that's sick. You're not the only one in financial trouble. You're not the only one whose marriage is in trouble. Amen. Somebody say amen. 
because it's a truth anyway. Elijah's given a new challenge, and he's ready to face it. Uh, he said, lay hands on so-and-so, uh, and you're going to anoint him king. Uh, lay hands on Elijah, and he's going to take your place as a prophet. Uh, amen. Uh, uh, another time in the Bible, Moses was uh, summoned to Mount Sinai and given the Ten Commandments. He was so close to God that he seen God's hinder parts, and the Bible said that his face shone so much that people couldn't even look at him. They had to put a veil over his face. You know what? I think it's time that we go where God is, and people's going to know that you've been there. You know what? He come down off that mountain, and people knew. Somebody say amen. We need to go in God's presence where people know where we've been. Amen. You know what? Every now and then, uh, Patty and I, we anoint our house. Uh, uh, we've anointed it when we bought it. Uh, we dedicated it to God. But once in a while, we feel like there's a spirit there that shouldn't be there. Uh, we anoint it again. Uh, when somebody comes into, their, into our house, uh, we want them to feel God. Uh, we want them to feel a peace. Uh, we want them to feel a power. Amen. Somebody say amen. We need to feel it. We need to feel that Holy Ghost. Woo! I don't want to get too carried away here. We, but we do have a hungry world. And people need to see where we've been. You know what? We can't act this out. We can't lie about it. We can't be hypocrisy. Amen. In Matthew, the 28th chapter, Jesus resurrected from the grave, from the dead. He's resurrected in Matthew 28. And the guards run back and they tell the officers and the priest, hey, Jesus is gone. He's not there. And they said, oh boy, we're in trouble here. Uh, let's just tell them Tell them that his disciples came at night and took him. Just say this. Say this. In fact, is I think that's exactly what it says. It says, say this. But I was in St. Kitts one time. My dad sent me down there to preach a revival. I preached a revival in three different areas. And uh, the church was so full, they, they had shutters. And they opened up the shutters. And, there was, and they closed down a street. And everybody's around. And uh, God laid that message upon my heart. I got to tell it like it is. I can't lie about it. I can't sugarcoat it. I can't water it down. I got to tell it like it is. Amen. And I'm walking down the streets of that city. And the next day, a taxi cab driver stops and yells out his window. He goes, tell it like it is. I go, amen. And I go down a little bit further and somebody else, I don't know how many people heard that message, but uh, a bunch of them repeated it back to me. You know what? It's time to go to the mountain. It's time to go to the mountain where people can see where you've been. Amen. And it takes faith. It takes faith. When's the last time you went to the mountain? When's the last time you come to the altar to pray? When's the last time you say, I want to give my heart back to God? 
You know what? I go up to the altar at various times. And somebody said, that's a senior pastor. You know, he, he, he founded the church. He's the founding pastor. Well, the founding pastor needs to pray. The founding pastor needs to go back where he's met God. And I, as we stand today, and the praise team comes, and I'm going to ask Pastor Josh to come up here. I just want to tell you that there's nothing shameful about coming and praying. You know what? He got summoned to the mountains. I don't know if you've ever had a summons in your hand. I've had a couple. And uh, they're not the most pleasant thing, but God's summoning you today to come to the mountain and get your prayers answered. Get your needs met. And even if you don't have a need, even if you don't have something important that you need in your life, you need to tell somebody else. You need to be someone else's prayer answer. Amen?